Blog Talk Radio. about everything from the Occupy movement, uh, from the Occupy movement, from everybody, some people being arrested, pepper sprayed, rubber bulleted. Here we go, America. This is a special edition of Credit Talk USA Worldwide Live with the one and only OTEP. Get ready. It starts right now. Good afternoon, America, and welcome to a very special edition of Credit Talk USA Worldwide Live, where today we are going to focus on our entertainment news, and I believe we are going to be graced with the presence of the poet herself, an artist, an activist, one of the most amazing artists, I think, in the world. She writes her own music. She is not, a, she is not somebody that someone else put together. She writes her own music. Everything she does is everything she believes in. Very hard to find those characteristics in an artist anywhere, I think. I think we're being honored by the one, the only, Otep Shamaya. Otep, are you there? I am. Hello. Thank you. Welcome, and we are so honored to have you on this special edition of Credit Talk USA. Thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And OTEP will be taking uh, calls live if you'd like to call in, and you can also listen live at 619-638-8513. So, OTEP, what have you been up to lately? Uh, well, I was touring 
uh, quite a bit, and uh, now I'm just uh, organizing a new book of poems, and been keeping watch on um, all the different political events and political theater that's that's happening around uh, this country and around the the globe. Uh, I've been doing my own uh, political uh, podcast, uh, Loudmouth Radio, and um, trying to evolve as an artist and as a human being. Well, and let me just say, America, if you haven't seen this woman live, you are missing out. I've been to a few of your shows, and they're life-changing, Otep. They're simply life-changing. I mean, they take you on a journey. And yeah. you in no way want to stop the journey. You want it to when – when the show's over, you're like, oh, my God, that's it? What else? You know, where's she, where's she taking us? <laughs> it's so hard to find that in an artist that you want more. I appreciate that. We we work really hard on, on, um, on fortifying our live shows with um, a sort of spiritual alchemy uh, between uh, the band and the audience – and it, it normally works better when the audience themselves are are willing to give themselves to the show and, and not just be pure spectators. When they sit back and relax and and they expect us just to be entertainers, then I, th- I think it then becomes a bit more of a of a of a climb. But um, we're pretty good at, at at jarring the senses and and causing all kinds of spiritual and intellectual riots and as soon as that occurs within within the audience um our shows blossom into uh these kind of ritualistic theater and um i'm really proud of of the kind of energy that we're able to to command and and generate well and i'll tell you you another thing that you that you experience at an otep show is the mosh pit. How do you, how does that come into your mind to get people motivated to like go round and round like that? I literally had to step out of the way because there's some pretty big people at your shows. Well, I mean, uh, with the kind of political rock music and aggressive music that we do, um, moshing is just sort of it's been part of the punk rock and metal music and aggressive rock music for since, I don't know, the 70s. It's not something that I, I created or that I'm necessarily responsible for. We just, it's it, it to me, it, it harkens back to a more savage and primitive time, uh, a very tribalistic time when um, we were trying to connect to each other. And so for me, when the when the when the crowd starts turning and spinning this way, and and usually you know it's a circle pit, so people are just basically going in a circle and allowing themselves to get caught up in the trance and the ritual of the moment. Uh, if someone falls, then someone picks them up, and that's it's also sort of a rites of passage with that. You never see anybody. It's not aggressive like a fist fight or something. It's not it's not a it's not that kind of out of control mutiny. It's it's um, not a riot in that in that in the sense that it's out of control. It's usually controlled chaos within the within the pit when they're spiraling and spiraling and turning into uh, you know recreating the DNA helix of life. And, well, and the uh, other thing that I was completely taken back by was the was the crowd surfing. Does that make you nervous when you're up there doing you know when you're up there performing and inspiring people, and all of a sudden this person has come flying at you? 
Because it doesn't look like it. No, it doesn't make me nervous. Um, again, these are these are parts of a live rock show. I, if people that are normally used to going to a pop pop or a hip hop show or something, then perhaps they might, or a country music show, or perhaps even something like a Nickelback, they might be accustomed to just kind of standing there and watching people play music for them. And that's not what really happens at our shows. People dance and groove and move around and they allow the music to sort of inhabit them and possess them. And um, that's kind of what we want to get out of it as well. It's more of an our Todd theater and the, it's double theater and the play kind of interaction with the audience. Well, you know, and, and when I when I found out you were going to be able to be on our show, I was so excited. I did a little research. 200 and almost 276,000 people follow you on Facebook. So you obviously are just inspiring hundreds of thousands of people. So that's how does that make you feel? Well, it's an honor to have this kind of um, exposure. Um, I, I never expected it and never thought it would happen. I just I feel like there's a lot of people out there that, that feel the same way that I do, and, and we've, we're so, you know, probably scattered about the planet, and luckily technology allows us to find each other. Well, thank you so much. Now, real quick, uh, let's go ahead and let's uh, – we're going we're gonna to waive all of our commercials. Um, Scotty over there, we're not doing any commercials during this segment. I'm making that decision because this is too big of an artist for us to go to commercials. So real quick, Otep, let's move on to some questions about the Occupy Wall Street, which has now been nicknamed the Occupy Movement because it's no longer just in New York City. It's now everywhere. What do you think of the Occupy Movement? Well, I support them, and I think they're patriotic, and I'm uh, very impressed and inspired by what these people have been able to get out and do and really have an impact on uh, not only the media, which rarely covers anything good um, that's happening, and also um, on on the, the political and uh, financial climates in this country. I mean, you're starting to see banks respond to Occupy, um, the Occupy protesters. Um, um, and, and I think that in the beginning it was easy for, you know, places like Fox News, which is just a big, gigantic propaganda machine for the conservative you know, media, um, Republicans, uh, who have a who have a vested interest in making sure that that we lose the middle class, and I think that um, uh, it, it was it was really easy in the beginning for them to marginalize it, to d- dismiss it, and just say that it's a bunch of hippies out there that don't that can't get jobs or don't want jobs. And meanwhile, you know, a month before the Occupy movement started, it was the Republican Party who was blaming President Obama for not creating enough jobs. So. It was sort of a, uh, I don't know, I guess a red herring for them to throw that out there. Go get a job when you were just saying there aren't any jobs. How can people get jobs? But um, I digress. The um, the movement itself is now blossoming into um, almost, you know, a, a populist protective uh, order where they're they're stopping, you know, they're they're now camping out in, in people's uh, lawns and their yards in order to stop foreclosures so that banks can't throw. Uh, families out into the street in, in, in the middle of winter. Um, they've proven that the, that, that uh, nonviolent civil disobedience, yet again, 
can change the world. And you can go back to the actions of Mahatma Gandhi and how he freed India from the British Empire to the civil rights movements when they were trying to end segregation and or even prior to that, the suffrage movement, um, when women were just in the you know prior in the twenties prior to the twenties, women were just trying to to get the right to vote in this country, um, and and you had nonviolent civil disobedience there. You had nonviolent civil disobedience during the civil rights movements, during the student protests against Vietnam, um, and you're starting to see that level of of change happen again. I mean, there's always going to be brutality when when you frighten the other side. Um, one of the things that I was so impressed by in Occupy Los Angeles was these these protesters who who have a, a, a grasp of why they're there. They they have a spirit of why they're there. They're, they're, they're determined. They're principled. They're courageous. They're sitting down. They're being peaceful um, against an army of of police officers who are dressed in Kevlar, who have um, mace and, and you know tasers and Weren't they in weren't they in weren't they in riot gear? Yes, that's exactly what I'm describing right now. Is their riot gear. Um Kevlar Kevlar body armor, they had they had helmets and, and batons and, and uh rubber bullets and and beanbag shotguns and, and even when the batons were raised, even when they were threatening to pepper spray, the um the protesters didn't move. They stayed their ground and, and as someone who has spent my my life fighting, you know, from, from physical abuse on to you know street fights to what I do now in, in activism, um, it was it was I was beyond impressed uh, and, and and humbled a bit to see how courageous and strong these people were in the face of violence, knowing that they 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 faced the threat of physical harm, and yet they did not raise their hands back; they stayed. Peaceful, and they stayed calm, and um, there were a few people there that I think were out to cause trouble. And there's always going to be that, and there's always in every sort of movement. But some of them, I think, were, were actually narcs and plants from the the police department because they would just sort of emerge out of the crowd and then try to get people to wild up to throw bottles or throw rocks or start fires. And then as soon as everybody would tell them to back off. And that we're here for, we're here to be peaceful and nonviolent. They would just kind of disappear into the into the background. So yeah, I actually heard that the Republicans were paying people to go down there and cause problems, so it would make the Occupy movement get negative media out. You know, negative negative yeah. media coverage. Would that surprise you? No, and, and I'm, I, it's it's proven that they do that sort of thing all the time. The Republican Party um, is more. You know, they, they, they always say it's the lesser of two evils, but they, the Republican Party is the greater of two evils, if we were gonna, if we will classify it that way. But uh, there were actually people from the Los Angeles Police Department, undercover agents, that were infiltrating, uh, that have infiltrated the Occupy movements. That's, that's been proven. Uh, it's been leaked. And, and um, I think even these police agencies have, have admitted it. Um, it's, 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 I guess in the public safety to have some sort of infiltration just to make sure that there's no there's nothing horrible going to happen. So I guess any any sort of protest movement should expect infiltrators. Um, but when they try when they transform from just being simple observers to making sure that you know nothing's uh, you know there's no there's no bad plots or conspiracies happening to to being instigators, I think that 
you know, we have to look at that as citizens and see if that if that's you know some form of you know, if that's illegal, if that violates our rights, and and I think you know again they have to be held accountable. So I'm really excited. I mean, two years ago everybody was complaining that no one was doing anything, and now people are actually doing something about it. And I, I really believe that there's something really really important happening in this world right now. Okay, real quick, America, let's remind you, you're listening to Credit Talk USA Worldwide Live, heard exclusively on Blog Talk Radio. Our normal time is Thursday afternoons at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time. Today is a special edition of Credit Talk USA Worldwide Live, dedicated especially to the Occupy movement, and we are honored to have someone who very, very much supports the Occupy movement, Otep Shemayev. Okay, Otep, let's get back to a couple of questions, if you don't mind. Sure. Where would you like to see the Occupy movement go next? I hope they turn into um, into a voting force. I'd like to see them... Um, uh, uh, kind of like a guess. tea party, but actually someone being no. honest about things? Okay, no? No, 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 no. no. I, the tea, the, uh, what, what do you mean, like the tea party? Well, like the vote, where they they make a difference as far as voting for things, like for a president for their representatives. I don't think, right, but I don't think the Tea Party had any impact on on voting with regards to anything recently. But voter registration drives. I hope the Occupy movement turns into that kind of a voting force. That yes, that that um, people actually see that that direct action has consequences, and then if as long as they can that they can have an impact on, on their local elections, on uh, even if they don't believe in the Electoral College, which there's, a, there's an argument to be had there, uh, going back to the, um, the Bush-Gore um, election or selection, depending on your point of view. Um, more people voted for Al Gore uh, in this country than they did for Bush, but he was selected and so forth, and then we ended up with eight years of tyranny. Um, Complete madness but, uh, and financial ruin, ho- in my opinion. Indeed, yeah. And well, I, I hope that they turn into a, a voting force. I hope that they. I, I'm pretty sure that that's what you'll see. You'll see some really impressive voter registration numbers, and I, I think that spells serious, serious trouble for the Republican Party, especially when you have their their alleged front runner this week, which is Newt Gingrich, who is probably one of the most you know corrupt people on the planet. He left his first wife. Uh, for his mistress while she had MS, and then his second wife, he left her when she got cancer for another mistress who he's married to now, and who knows how many other mistresses he's had, and yet he's propped himself up as the family values candidate. Um, he's been a lobbyist and uh, claims to be you know, a Washington outsider. Meanwhile, he's the Speaker of the House. He's, while he led the, the aggressions against President Clinton for having an affair, he was having an affair, um, you know, it's just a, and then he's, you know, now, right now, he's doing all this, he's going down to New York City to, to kiss the ring of Donald Trump, and uh, again, someone who represents uh, the 1%, someone who represents this idea of of of, uh, of wealth and privilege that the American people are, are, are rising up to say, we want shared sacrifice in this country. You didn't get wealthy on your own. Um the roads that that carried your your materials, the the people that worked for you. Um, though Donald Trump, everyone says, well, he's 
filed bankruptcy, but he files bankruptcy so, so that he can keep his money and so that people that he owes money to don't get paid. Um, so I, I think that, that the Occupy movement spells real trouble for for um, Republicans at this point because they're out of touch with the American people. And um, everybody that's sort of outside of, of this clown show that we're seeing with the Republican candidates, uh, even you know Republicans themselves um, are sort of hiding their, their faces and cowering in the corner and saying, what, what are we going to do? Because there's nobody, nobody that, that, uh, that's running right now is, is in line or in step with the spirit of uh, the American people. I actually saw a poll this morning on MSNBC, MSNBC that they did a poll and 44% would vote for Obama and only 19 would vote for Gingrich if that was the Republican nominee. There's just no one that can beat Obama, I don't think. Well, he's he's got a he's got a pretty impressive record right now. You know, in, in uh, two and a half years, almost three years now that he's been in pre- the president, he's done some really impressive things. Now, I'm a liberal, so I've I've got a, a whole laundry list of things that I still want him to, to do, but uh, he's done more to help this country in the short time that he's been in office that President Bush did in the eight years. And President Bush had didn't have an obstructionist Congress like uh, President Obama is facing, where everything that he tries to do is shot down just so that they can try to stall and, and make President Obama look bad. And unfortunately, and, and it was working for a while. It was working for a while until this sort of cropping of Republicans jumped up uh, to run for president, and then now everyone sort of sees – um, well, Sarah Palin w- wasn't so insane after all compared to these jokers that are running now. I mean, I remember the days when we, we thought she was, you know, George W. Bush in drag. That she, <laughs> that she was the next, she was the craziest person we'd ever met. And then suddenly there, here comes Rick Perry out of, out of you know, Texas. And he's spouting nonsense and, and uh, you know, bigotry. And then and Michelle Bachman, who's, you know, uh, a, Mad as as a hatter, and 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 then you have you know people like Romney who you know is so wealthy that you know the guy doesn't know what working people face every single day. He never has. You know, he comes from that. He comes from privilege. Um, so you, you know, and that's the thing. You know, you have a guy like uh, a man like President Obama who was raised by his grandparents and you know comes from basically a single mother and. And, and knows, you know, he's got roots in Kansas. He knows what Middle America's about, and you know, worked he he worked for poor people when he was a a, a, a man, you know, trying to to uh, make his way in this life, and and so it's a it's a much different perspective. You know, he earned everything that he that he has, and uh, you look at the other side, the Republicans, and most of them. I mean, John Huntsman, his father is is uh, you know another gazillionaire who's actually funding his, his son's campaign now. Um, these people have no idea what what um, what it's like to be an average American. And um, I think that, that shows in the, in, in the kinds of answers they give. When Romney says the corporations are people, it's because that's how he sees himself. He sees himself as a corporation, not as, as a person. That's all he's ever known is the corporate mentality. That that actually makes a lot of sense because I don't he has never known known himself to be anything other than that, and I don't think I don't think that that he can and and people don't seem to 
they don't they don't know who to grasp for in the Republican Party. It's actually kind of interesting to watch because really, who are you going to vote for? I mean, seriously. Well, President Obama. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, the the thing is with uh, with President Obama is that um, is that he's actually from a liberal standpoint. I, I'm a liberal, so I I see him with liberal eyes, and as a liberal, I see him as a little bit more conservative than I wish he was. Um, I wanted him, I wanted universal health care. That's what he campaigned on. I wanted uh, to end the Bush tax cuts for the extremely for the extremely wealthy. Um, I wanted to end you know certain parts of the Patriot Act that uh, you know indefinite detention and wire, you know uh, warrantless wiretaps and those types of things. Um, but he's he's kind of if you look at his positions and you look at Ronald Reagan who is the you know the sort of monument of Republicanism. And conservative uh, people, you know, worship him almost as, as if he was Caesar. You look at Ronald Reagan's position, and you look at um, at President Obama's, and President Obama's actually more conservative than Ronald Reagan, in in some ways. Um, Ronald Reagan wanted to end, wanted to remove all nuclear weapons from the earth. Uh, Ronald Reagan believed in amnesty for illegal aliens. Ronald Reagan raised taxes on the wealthy. Um, Imagine someone doing that now, and I mean Ronald Reagan. And if if you apply the same terminology and the same failed GOP logic that the conservatives apply to President Obama, you apply that logic to President Reagan, and President Reagan is apparently a socialist, communist, Marxist, Muslim somehow uh, who hates America. Once again, America, you're listening to Credit Talk USA Worldwide Live. We are honored to have the one, the only, Otep Shemaya on this special edition of Credit Talk. If you would like to talk to Otep Live, we will be taking just a few calls. So go to your phones right now and call 619-638-8513. That's 619-638-8513. Otep, let's get back to a little bit about the Occupy movement. What did you think... Uh, because this got emailed to me that one of your fans was arrested doing a peaceful protest for the Occupy movement, and they had one of your T-shirts on. How did that make you feel? Um, I was, uh, you know, it's it's nice to see that uh, that the the message that um, that I've been um, trying to get out for a long time is uh, has reached people, and those people. Um, have decided to join something that I think is remarkable as the Occupy movement. I was very proud to see that. I was very honored. Um, you know, they actually posted the person that was arrested actually posted it on our Facebook, and uh, I started to make the rounds that way. But um, you know, uh, my band has always been, uh, and music has always been very political and and, and very uh, and and using art as a as a means of of addressing certain politics and and certain you know, per, uh, personal um, ideas and, and events. And, and, and uh, it's just nice to see, you know, when I wrote Confrontation, that was, you know, during the Bush era, when I wrote War, it was during the Bush era. And, and it's nice to see that um, people are are taking the the message in and, and actually making it a reality. So it, was, it, was, it was an honor, absolutely. Okay, let's get to some questions from um uh, and, and these people are called your tribe. Is what does that mean? We are uh we're a tribe of, of folks. Uh, we touched on it a bit earlier when uh it's a 
for me, it's a bunch of a bunch of strangers who know absolutely nothing about each other except that they understand everything. Uh, where we uh, are spanned out across the globe from, on probably every continent, and um, except for maybe two, and um, uh, but we all sort of have the same interests in life and the same things that plague us, the same things that make us joyful, the same things that set us on fire. Um, and it's always this, I think, this search for something meaningful. And so we've, we've, we've become a tribe and we're uh, a sort of primitive, um, futuristic idea of of what we hope humans will become. Okay, let's get to, do you mind uh, taking some email questions real quick? No, I don't. All right. This is from this is from Melissa. This is from Melissa, and she says, "What do you think, in your own perspective, should be the steps for particular movement to gain unity and success by bringing upon positive change?" What are the steps that need to be taken to bring about change? What What are the steps? Uh-huh. For for a particular movement to gain unity and success. That's a really general question. Uh, what are the steps for a particular movement? What which particular movement are we talking about? I would assume the Occupy movement. The Occupy um, movement. Okay. Well, I I assume it. I don't know. I don't see the question, but um, I I assume that that's what they're speaking about. Um, you know. To me, the Occupy movement sort of sprang out as as just a, an instinctive reaction to the, the the toils and troubles that are plaguing people in this country, and, and people just had had enough. They felt fed up, so it was a it was it was a reactionary event, um, and and there's so much that people are you know it's not like it's one thing. Um, there are people that are. And it's also, you know, they say politics is local. Well, uh, in California, we have medical marijuana dispensaries. Um, in other places, they don't. So, of course, that's that's not going to be one of the things that we're fighting for in in this state, this Occupy LA. But in general, people are are upset about the corruption in on Wall Street. They're upset about the corruption on uh, in D.C. The the power that lobbyists have. Um, they're they're concerned about their taxes and student loans, and I mean, there's people out there that have, you know, master's degree, uh, have to work two jobs just to make sure that they don't default on their student loans. Um, they're concerned about veterans' issues. They're concerned, uh, and and you know, that's the, the great thing about this movement as well is that you've seen many veterans involved, um, and and who fe- who felt and who feel um, like they were they that they were used uh, for someone else's ploy and that, you know, they love their country enough to go and put their life on the line and they come back and there's no job plan for them. There's no, uh, the, the, you know, they do have health care, but it's it's poor in certain, um, in some circumstances. Um, you know, VA hospitals may be two hours away from somebody and that's that's where they have to go. So, um uh, there's there's issues of shared sacrifice and and, and corporate welfare and and the military industrial complex. There's there's things there there are all these large issues that that um, that need to be addressed and um, that's why you know they were on the ballot. They were that's what we voted for when we chose President Obama versus you know Senator McCain. Uh, we wanted a, a switch from from 
the same old, same old, and, and people are just tired of the bickering in Washington. They're tired of nothing getting done. They're tired of, of uh, corporations having a larger stake in this, in this country than they are, so they're taken to the streets, and they are exercising the very foundation of this country. Uh, they're exercising uh, free speech, the right to assemble. Um, they're, they're challenging the establishment on, on uh, to, you know, accept the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and, and, uh, and, and the rights that we have as citizens in this country and to expect, you know, that our human rights and our civil liberties be respected. And they're challenging them on that. And some cities are failing miserably at it. And I think it's, it's really it's, a, it's what everyone's sort of been wanting. Um, but we've been too busy tweeting and Facebooking about it. But now these people have actually taken to the streets, and I think it's wonderful. Okay, the next question is from Walter, and it says, Otep, love your music. Where would you uh, do you think President Obama should do anything to help the Occupy movement? Well, I think we we've, we've seen him um, already involved in it, and he's talking about the issues that that um, that the Occupy movement is, has brought to the forefront of um, of the uh, of media. You, you've seen him discuss the the one percent. You've seen him discuss using these terms that have made famous by the the Occupy movement. Um, the 99%. Uh, you, you, we've seen him address, um, you know, this this income tax um, bill that they're trying to get passed. That are going if, if Congress doesn't do do something about it, it's going to raise taxes on middle class people. And he's he's out there um, bolstering uh, the the rights of the people. He seems to be the face and the voice of the people at this moment. And um, that's that's nice to see. It's what what I thought he was elected for. So I think that. Um, he just has to stay the course, uh, remember who he was as candidate uh, Obama, and get back to being and, and, and try to re-grab that spirit instead of, you know, trying to be the president of the United States uh, where he is trying to unite conservatives and, and liberals and moderates and, and all of that. I think he just needs to, to stick to what his core principles were, his core beliefs, um, there's a there's a saying that if you if you wrestle with pigs you're going to get dirty. Um, just remember the pigs like it. So I don't expect anybody to go into politics and not get dirty. It is what it is. That's the game. You step in. These are the rules. These are these are the laws. These are how you know. I mean, there are certain principles of every element of life. I expected that um, there are certain. Uh, he's got to make certain concessions in order to get this done. You got to get this done. That's just the way that the the game is played there, unfortunately. Um, but there's also some things that I I I hope that he'll do now that will um, now that he feels the, the fire um, and the, the wind beneath his sails from the people screaming for justice and screaming for um, you know dignity and liberty. Very well said. Okay, last question because I know you're busy and you've you've joined us a little bit longer than you originally said. Do you have time for one last question for me? Sure, sure. Okay, this is from Christina. And do you think the U.S. government will begin using our military troops to break up the protest of Occupy, the, the Occupy movement in the future? Well, I hope not. And I don't know if, I don't know if they can. I, I don't know the what the laws are, I think they can probably use the National Guard, but I'm not sure if they can unleash the military on 
on American soil. I, that way, I, I don't know that, that answer from a legal standpoint. That would be a question for somebody else. I certainly hope not, and I don't know why they would, because most law enforcement agencies now are, are tiny militaries. I mean, the New York City Police Department is the seventh largest military in the world. Um, Bloomberg, that's a quote, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but it's a, that's basically a quote from Bloomberg, uh, the mayor of New York City, who says that he is in command of the seventh largest military in the world. It's called the NYPD. Um, so I'm not sure that they would need to unleash the military. Um, it's a peaceful, nonviolent movement. Um, what I think that they're going to do is they're going to continue to um, try to silence the movement. They're going to continue to try to hush the movement. But what I what I see is is that the, the movement's going to continue to grow. Every time you see police brutality or these these bullies spraying pepper spraying, um, you know, students, uh, it, it 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 just it brings people. Uh, awareness to the subject that probably would have never paid attention to it in the first place. But any, no one likes to see a bully a winning. No one likes to see our own police department, which is taxpayer-funded, protect and serve. You are the agency that is supposed to to serve the people of your, your city or your state. And when the when those agencies become brutal and cruel towards, you know, again, Peaceful people who are exercising their rights. Um, I think I think you start to see uh, so many other people take take notice of this and go, "This doesn't feel right. This isn't the America I want to live in." And they're just doing what we what we wanted them to do and what we're allowed to do in this country. Constitutional you know, right gives us the right to protest, right? Well, if you see any other, if we see footage from another country where you see police officers in uniforms or paramilitary people in uniforms, and they're beating protesters, our natural indication, even from our our political leaders, is to to condemn it, is to say these people in Libya or Egypt, uh, Syria, deserve human rights. They deserve the ability to, to assemble. They deserve the ability of freedom of speech. They deserve the right to speak out against their government. And then when it happens here, there's, there was in the beginning there was this silence because I think the political leaders they didn't know what to say because they didn't know where the the political win in this for them was. Uh, also, I think they might have been a little bit afraid, uh, and because of what it could indicate, which is losing control of their base, losing this fringe element they, that they consider the fringe element infiltrating and and um, and and actually bringing awareness to the corruption and and the inequalities that exist in this country. And these these peaceful, passive, courageous, intellectually and, and informed folks are only demanding justice. And and uh that's what, you know, again, the spirit of America is supposed to be about. Um you see you see throughout history that nonviolent civil disobedience has always changed the world. And it continues to do so. And I, I, I expect the movement to grow. I hope that it does. And um, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be to be a part of it in way I can. You know, and, and sitting here, uh, I, I have a question for you. You're, you live in Los Angeles, so what? Were you disappointed in the mayor and the police department when they physically went in and removed people? They basically evicted the Occupy LA. Right. Well, 
there's a couple things. One, I thought the police handled crowd control very well. I, that's never easy. It's a very, actually, it's an extremely difficult thing to do, especially when, you know, you're you're basically standing on your feet for hours and hours and hours, and they've got them dressed in riot gear and and listening to people and um, sing and chant, we're nonviolent, you know, don't hurt us. Um, join us, I think, was one of the things they were saying, which is, is interesting when I think that police, when police departments start realizing that, that the Occupy movement is is also occupying for them because they're part of this middle class that is being strangled. Um, I, was di- I was disappointed in the mayor because he used who, who we thought was one of us. You know, we thought he was, he was uh, someone who cared more about the people than he de- did the corporate interests. Um, but then when he did this, this silly thing of, of forcing the people out and, and, and his excuse was it was a public hygiene issue. Well, people that don't know much about Los Angeles, uh, if you don't live here, and even if you do, if you never go downtown, and not many people actually, if you live on the west side, go downtown because downtown is basically just for manufacturing. I mean, it's getting a little better, but um, it, it, traditionally it's it's not someplace. You don't go east. You always go west. Uh, well, downtown L.A., three blocks, three or three or four blocks away from where Occupy L.A. was happening, is a permanent homeless encampment. And it's got tents, it's got illegal drug activity, it's, it's, it is filthy, and it's allowed to exist. Um, they actually did away with uh, loitering laws in this city, um, I think a few years ago, which allows homeless people just to sort of camp out anywhere they can find a place. After a business is closed, they can just, they can just prop up and lay down in the doorway anywhere. And you don't see police batons going after these people. You don't you don't see them going down and raiding the the uh the homeless encampment and, and all that. I mean I, that sounds heartless, but so is is raiding a peaceful group of people who are down there for, for social justice. Um and I think that that's uh, was um a big um disappointment. It was a little discouraging from from a point of view of thinking that we had someone in office that was like us. But what was encouraging and what is encouraging is the fact that how many people in Los Angeles actually turned out, you know, after work, they would go down and be a part of the uh, Occupy LA. You know, they would go home at night so they could still go to work the next day, but they would still spend time there, you know, um, discussing the issues, communicating with others. And that's how the messages were being spread was one-on-one communication, and I think that that was so very, very valuable. That yes, you had you still had people who were hardworking, who had jobs, who just went down, who would go down in their spare time to be part of the Occupy movement, to be a part of the protest, to get informed, to be involved, and yet they'd go home the next day and still keep their job. I think flies in the face of these of these people who who say that it's just a bunch of tree huggers and hippies and and people who should be searching for work. In Los Angeles, I can't speak for the other Occupy places, but in Los Angeles, there were working people down there, and they were standing with those who couldn't find a job. They were standing with those who were there for um, speaking out for social justice, economic justice, and for civil liberties for all Americans. Well, and, you know, what frustrates me to no end is when someone says, you know what, guys, don't, don't occupy anything. Just get a job. Those are people that just don't get it. Wouldn't you agree? Right, I hundred uh, percent. I don't know. It, it, they can't. They can't be. It, usually, those are conservatives, and conservatives can't. They you can't 
ride both sides of the knife. You can't say that President Obama has failed as a president because we still have an unemployment rate in this country that's 9%, and it's his fault that there's no jobs in this country, and then turn turn around to the other edge and go, all these people that are outside that are protesting, they need to go get a job. Well, if there's no jobs, then how can they get a job? And if there is a job, then, then hire someone. I actually did read where there was a, a, um, a, a woman who was protesting in, uh, I think it was uh, uh, occupying Wall Street, and she had a sign that she was in that she was she had a degree in molecular molecular biology, uh, but couldn't find work. And then someone hired her from from that. So um, and she actually went to work and is, uh, now has a job. So if there is a, if you got a job for somebody, by all means give them one. But understand yeah. that the reason why they're out there is is uh, for the for the most part, the majority of the people that are out there are fighting for civil liberties. They're fighting for economic justice, and they're fighting to get what we all want which is a cleaner political system in this country, something that's not so corrupt and not so one-sided. It's so slanted towards corporate interests. Well, um, I mean, just that, a bailout program of $787 billion, you know, going for taxpayer money to keep all of these major corporations in business. And then they turn around and pay big bonuses to their executives, and then they're foreclosing on people, and I just they don't get it. And that's what these people are so angry about is that these big businesses that the taxpayers help to bail out and keep them in business have forgotten that, and they just don't care. American Airlines, we have bailed the airlines out so many times, they just had to file bankruptcy. They just don't get it. Yeah, I don't I – don't, uh, I think that we – that that's, the, that's the, the largest problem is that – People, when they'll say they'll they'll have these issues about welfare, but they don't they they don't realize how much taxpayer money is actually spent on corporate welfare. Um, that Republicans have no problem, um, you know, making sure that that the the wealthy stay wealthy and the corporations stay in business, but <clears throat> are eager to allow taxes to be raised on middle class people who are the ones. Listen again, there's this idea that if you have an SUV or a flat screen TV that you're wealthy that's that's not true uh there's this that's not that's not wealth you're doing well but that's not wealth um if you're living if you're two paychecks away from losing everything then you're part of the 99% truthfully um, exactly that's very true there's this there's this idea that um i think chris rock said it best was that there's this here's the difference between wealth and and rich is that Shaquille O'Neal is rich Right, but the man who signs his check is wealthy because he owns something. He owns the team. He owns. He has an ownership of of wealth in this in this country. Now I'm sure Shaq is you know, three hundred million dollars or something. Now he's he's still very rich, but depending on what he does with his investments and what he does with his money depends on determines that. But there's this long history of 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 people who are propped up in this country purely because of their their privilege class. You look at someone like Paris Hilton or Donald Trump's children. Did they deserve health care, better health care, just because they were born to rich families? No. Did they, did they deserve? Did they deserve better tax breaks just because of what their parents did, or the no. that they that, or that laws uh, specifically uh, have been written in this country to allow them to game the system so that they can get away with things that that regular working class people don't? And that's what the Occupy movement is about, and that's what the Occupy movement is fighting for. It's for people when they're now that they've moved on and 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 or expanded out into 
stopping foreclosures on people's homes. I mean, I don't know how anybody can can say with 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 any uh, real honesty in their heart that that uh, that this movement is not good for the people. I think that that's disingenuous, and anybody that that is that easily to dismiss it um, really deserves. Um, well, you can get, you can inform them all you like until you reach a point where you may understand that that there is a thing in this world called invincible ignorance. <laughs> Two things that Americans suffer is historical amnesia and uh, uh, invincible ignorance. And um, there's a small portion of the population that will always be blinded by those two things, historical amnesia and invisible ignorance and um, invincible ignorance. And um, uh, that's just something we have to deal with. And, and when you know that you're dealing with someone who is foolish uh, to that degree, it's time to move on. And so don't waste your time. But... Uh, I suggest anybody that wants to be involved in the Occupy movement know know where, find out where it is, and go down there and just talk to the people and just ask them. They're usually very very nice. I I visited Occupy Pittsburgh when I was on tour, and people had signs up that said "Talk to us." Just ask us why we're here. We'll tell you. Um, just go down there. Be a part of it. You know, you don't have to camp out. You can just go down. You can hold signs. You can. You know, exchange ideas, understand what's going on in this country, what's going on locally in your community, and be a part of the solution. I mean, America, what you need to realize, and once again, we are talking to the amazing, just words of wisdom, just love talking to you so much, Otep. Thank you for spending a little bit more time with us. Otep Shemaya on this special edition of Credit Talk USA Worldwide Live, heard exclusively on Blog Talk Radio, is that... This is such a big time in history that you can be a part of, and you really need to open your eyes and be a part of it because if you don't, it will affect you down the road. Would you agree with that? Of course. You know, you have – again, you know, I can say to – I can wag my finger a little bit at some of the Occupy people and ask them if – you know, I understand your your anger. I understand your your resolve, and I understand your frustration with what's happening in this country, but did you vote in the last election? And if you didn't, I certainly hope you do in this one because not voting means that – You don't have the right to say anything. Well, it's not – I don't know if they don't have the right, but but by not voting – it means that you, you're part of the problem because you actually allowed the people that are taking advantage of our system, that are corrupting our system, and that are being corrupted by the system, you allowed them to take office. You allowed them to be there because you didn't participate in the political system. And I think that people are starting to wake up and recognize that. Again, seeing that, just tweeting about it or just signing a petition online or just putting it on your Facebook um, is, is important, but direct action, direct involvement, Going really down and getting it, yeah, in the trenches. Just being, just being informed and being involved, absolutely makes 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 a difference. Um, again, nonviolent civil disobedience makes a difference. Being informed about what's happening in your community makes you a much more powerful opponent and makes you a force. Uh, they don't want educated, um, literate people uh, to. Uh, to deal with, they don't want us. They want the citizens to be peasants. They want the citizens to be to be weak and dependent, and they want the citizens to um, to believe basically whatever it is that they throw out there. But you know, you can't you can't you can't hide all the facts all the time. And I think that that's one thing that we're starting to see again with the movement. And people keep talking about how the movement's going to die off. It's it's probably one of the fastest growing political movements in this country's history to this degree and this size. 
um, over these months. And we're going on, what, I think four months now, uh, three or four months of the Occupy movement, and it shows no sign of slowing down. In fact, it's spreading, and, and the more popular it gets and the more sort of uh, rebellious it looks, if, if the, the old guards, the, the, the square populace, um, continue to dismiss it, then they're going, it's going to cause more and more people to come to it just simply out of, because it looks fashionable. You know, you're going to have that part of it as well. Um, well, in, L, in, in, in New York, in Occupy Wall Street, when Mayor Bloomberg made that decision to evict the people from the park, there were literally only thousands of people there. But the very next day after they took those that action against all of those people, which in my opinion was very cowardly because using, you know, spraying pepper gas and rubber bullets, it's just so unnecessary. And like you said before, it is hard to deal with crowd control, but there are better ways to do it. But there were tens of thousands of people that were marching across the Brooklyn Bridge, and I stood up and screamed, yes. I thought that was amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Absolutely. Yep. I agree. I think, uh, again, I think the movement's just only going to grow, and I'm real happy to see it happen. Well, and thank you so much, Otep. I greatly appreciate it. Real quick, you said that you – I know I know my people told me not to ask you too much about this, but you have a, you're working on some poetry right now. That's what's next for you. You're in the middle of it. Where, where is all that? Yeah, I'm writing um, – I'm doing a follow-up on my uh, uh, a new, poetry, a new book of poems, and um, I'm really pleased with it, trying to finish it before the end of the year. And what? Where can people get information about you? They can follow you on Facebook, Twitter. Yep. I'm everywhere: Facebook, Twitter, <laughs> Tumblr. Um, you can find me there. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you spending this time with us. We are honored and humbled by you spending so much time with us. I kind of took you a little bit longer. Please accept my apologies. That's no, okay. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You guys right. have a good day. You too. Have a wonderful day. America, that was the one and only OTEP. And what we were talking about is the Occupy movement. And she had some inspiring words for you. And if you are ready to be a part of this movement, like she said, go down and be a part of it. Don't just sit on the sidelines. Now, we're going to close with this song from Otep, and this song is called Perfectly Flawed. It's just one of her many hits. Just amazing. Thank you for joining us, America. You've been listening to Credit Talk USA Worldwide Live on this special edition, talking about Occupy Movement with the amazing Otep Shemaya. Have a wonderful evening. Don't forget to join us next Thursday at 4 p.m., Central Standard Time. You're listening to Credit Talk USA Worldwide Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have a great evening.